Okay, thank you, Chad. We have a little bit of a different service this morning than what we're usually what we usually do. Um, so we're going to be a little bit different this morning. I, I'm a little bit nervous over this, but really my nervousness has changed to excitement, really, which it is what it should be. Because um, today, this morning is going to seem more like a kind of like a giant announcement slash sermon, if you will, uh, because we have to discuss some changes that we're going to make here in the ministry at New Hope Church. Um, so bear with me, uh, this may be a little bit different. Um, New Hope, uh, the way that I describe it, if you notice, uh, is in a little bit of a transitional stage, if you will. Um, allow me to explain that. When I say transitional stage, since April 1st, 1990, I believe, it's been Pastor Joe. You, you come to New Hope Church, you're going to hear Pastor Joe. Uh, Pastor Joe and Ruth, their names are synonymous with the ministry of New Hope Church. Going all the way back 28 and a half years, you come to New Hope, you're going to hear Pastor Joe. Okay? So now you come to New Hope and you might see a different person other than Pastor Joe. I'm talking about myself if you don't know that. So we are, you're starting to see another person a little bit more and more than Pastor Joe. Okay, so I understand you've seen Pastor Joe for all these years, but now you're starting to see a new face a little bit more and a little bit more and more. That is why I say we're in a little bit of a transitional phase, okay? <clears throat> but this new guy can't help but have a few ideas, okay? This, this new guy that's standing before you, that's been on staff for a few months now, can't help but have a little bit of a vision. I can't help but have a vision, a little bit of a plan. I can't help it. <clears throat> this new guy can't help but want to change a few things at the prompting of the Lord. Okay? <clears throat> now, we're already doing a few new things. Um, if any of you have been involved with FPU on Sunday nights, that's kind of something different than what we usually do. So that's one change that we've made already. Um, I, I understand completely that not everyone likes change. I, I understand that completely. I've worked at places before where uh, one time there was a a plant manager that was so resistant to change when the leadership changed, he almost lost his job. And it's just, sometimes that's people's nature. They don't like change. Not everyone likes change. You get a few weirdos that love change. That's not me. I usually like sticking to the plan. Most people don't like change, okay? Because change equals uncertainty, right? You're used to doing this, this, and this. Someone comes along, wants to change something. It equals uncertainty, and most people are kind of resistant and take a step back from change. But I cannot help but have a vision for New Hope Church. I cannot help it. Uh, now, before anyone has any heart attacks or is scared to death or is worried, uh, I want to lay your fears to rest. I, I don't mean changing the message. Okay? We're not going to change the message. New Hope will always be 
a, a church that is biblically based will preach the message of the gospel that Jesus Christ is the Savior. None of that's going to change. The message does not change one iota. As Pastor Joe says, the methods can change, but not the message. You'll, you'll notice that I'm not wearing a toga and sandals like Jesus did way back then, right? You'll notice that I have a Bible with print instead of a stone tablet that's chiseled, right? Methodologies change. Technology changes over the years, but the message stays the same. The message will always stay the same here at New Hope Church. I have not discovered a new way, a back door into heaven for three easy installments of $49.99. You send it to me. I'm not talking about that type of change. We're, we're not moving towards new ageism, any, any kind of weird stuff like that. We're not going to become seeker-friendly, nothing like that. We're not going to become a prosperity gospel preacher. We're not going to do any of that stuff. So when I say change, I want to lay your fears to rest. Not any of that weird, ungodly, unbiblical stuff. Not at all. Not at all. None of that. Here at New Hope, we strive for a ministry of excellence. Nothing less. We want to make it professional. We want to be excellent because we represent the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. We have strived, Pastor Joe and Ruth have striven to make New Hope have a, a good reputation and be of a good report. We don't want to do sketchy things, behind the scenes, none of that stuff. So everyone, if I say change, some things may be changing, we all in here should know better than that it's going to be goofiness or anything foolish or anything that is anti-word of God. I'm not going to start preaching in a pair of blue jeans with holes ripped in my knees and a t-shirt, v-neck, two sizes too small like you see a lot of these new age. I'm not going to do that. It's none of those goofy things, okay? Dispense with all of that nonsense now. New Hope will always be a biblical, Christ-centered church, okay? But again, I cannot help the fact that I have a vision I have this vision birthed inside of me. That if it's my turn to carry this torch, I'm going to carry it and run with all that I can until I drop over. Methods can change, not the message. Okay, so for today, I'd like to share a little bit of this vision for new hope with you. We are new hope. This is new hope. New hope's not necessarily this stuff New hope is the people. It's the body. It's you and I. Now, when I came on board here at New Hope, you know, went from a volunteer status to an actual employee here at New Hope, uh, I immediately felt the hand of the Lord pretty much pointing something out in me. Uh, my wife and I, we walk our neighborhood to, to try to keep in somewhat good shape and I would just, we constantly would talk and I would say, Shannon, I just feel like there's, like God is putting his finger on something and I couldn't quite figure it out. I couldn't quite figure out what the Lord's trying to say. You ever had an had a issue with God and you're like, Lord, out with it. What are you trying to say to me? That's how I felt. Kind of like God was telling me something and I couldn't figure it out. And it would, honestly was driving me crazy, okay? Driving me crazy because the Lord was placing something there and I wasn't able to see it for what it was. So I see here at New Hope, 
all these wonderful people, wonderful families, excellent older folks, awesome children all over the place. And from a pastor's heart, I think, Lord, how can we reach out to these people and touch all these people and minister to them to the best of our ability, Lord? So my wife and I, we really felt led to do the Financial Peace University, which we've been doing. I think this coming, or tonight will be week seven out of a nine-week series. We felt led to do that. And it was a little bit different. And to be honest, I already told you, I don't like doing different things. I don't. I like to stick with the script. But we sort of stepped out of ourselves, and I was so afraid that in FPU we kind of break into little groups. I was so afraid. One of my fears was that we'd get into these groups and no one would say anything, and it would be awkward. Well, this past week, I kid you not, we had to bring the partitions out and put them between the tables because people complained to me that they said, Jason, we can't hear our group talk because the other groups are so loud. We had to break out the partitions. So FBU has been a complete blast. We started it September 9th. I look forward to it every Sunday night. It's been wonderful. It's been awesome. As we get into our groups, and we talk, and we learn, and we listen. And during this class, I see what I believe is the Lord knitting us together, bringing a body of people together, pulling us closer, okay, through wins and through losses, through failures and mistakes, through victories, through goals achieved, I see God bringing this group of people together. Through rubbing elbows with other members in the body of Christ. It is causing unity. It binds the new folks together with the folks that's been here forever. So then, Pastor Joe and I talked lots about this, and we looked back and we thought, man, when we did, uh, we did a men's Bible study a few years ago, I believe it was a Dennis Rainey Bible study, we barely have that many folks come on Wednesday night, and we did a Bible study on Wednesday night. I think, if I'm not wrong, we had 90 men show up one night for this Bible study that we did. Uh, if you can remember correctly, it was probably less than a year ago. I think it was on a Wednesday night. Pastor Joe did an end time study. Uh, people come out of the woodworks for this study. And then when those studies are over, they kind of slowly disperse. And there's not as many folks that show up. Okay? So we saw all this stuff. We looked back. and We've seen what was successful, what wasn't successful, what worked, what didn't work. And it sort of dawned on me. I don't know, the Lord is probably up there saying, finally, you big dumb animal. Discipleship, listen, discipleship, unity, and bonding occur through our, our Bible studies that we were doing. That stuff happens. Unity happens. Brotherhood happens. People were getting to know each other in the body of Christ. Through FPU, if you've been involved in that at all, I know you can attest, you've gotten to know some people. You've heard some of their stories. You've heard some of the times they've failed or some of the times they've won. And bonding occurs in the body of Christ. So, our traditional Sunday night services that, that we've been having over here, they've been struggling for a while now. 
Not so many folks coming to them anymore. And this is not New Hope specific. This is a nationwide problem. If you don't agree with me, get on Google. Google the statistics for yourself. Church attendance overall is down all across this nation. Sunday nights are even worse. We may be one of the only churches in this county that are even open on Sunday nights. Most other churches have shut their doors. And the thing is, we're putting a lot of effort behind the scenes into our Sunday night services. A lot goes into them. Please understand, if it's my job to preach on a Sunday night, I don't skimp and say, hey, it's Sunday night, I'll just throw something together in a half hour before service. No, 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 that's not the case. I'm preparing all week long. doesn't matter if there's one person or 100,000 people here. I prepare to the best of my ability. The band, which we don't see, we see them play during the service. They're showing up an hour and a half early to practice and to get these songs together. Our sound people are showing up early for all this stuff. A lot of effort and energy is going at something that just not seemed to work out very well. So I think, wait a minute, maybe our methods can change just a little bit. Not the message, but the method. A lot of effort is going into something that pretty much is on life support. So I think, hey, why don't we be a little more efficient? Now, I'm thinking, and we've prayed lots about this. I've talked to so I've talked to a lot of people in here. I've probably talked your ears off about all this stuff. Pastor Joe's probably tired of hearing me talk about this stuff to him. So I talked his ears off, and we prayed a lot about this, but. Maybe we need to change something a little bit. So, listen, going forward, we'd like to change our Sunday night services up just a little bit, okay? Right now, we're doing the FPU series on Sunday night, okay? It ends November 4th. I think after that, the next Sunday night will be shoebox, and after that, we have Christmas programs. Uh, then all sprinkled through there or we're through the holiday seasons and we don't have Sunday night services for many of those Sunday nights. So that'll kind of wrap up the year. But when the new year starts, okay, we want to begin to start doing a Bible study type group Bible series on our Sunday nights. Kind of like the FPU thing that we're doing right now. We want to start doing that. We'll have it over in the fellowship hall and we'll get into our groups just like we have been doing Bible study series. We want to utilize our fellowship hall a little bit more. Now listen, before you get too afraid, there are tons and tons of awesome Bible studies that we can do. Awesome ones. We already have one lined up, which uh, when it gets closer to that time, we'll start promoting it as well. But um, I'll let you know just a little bit about it because I'm excited about it. But this one's called Driven by Eternity by John Bevere. I know if some of you have heard of John Bevere, but can you remember way back, uh, Pastor Joe had a CD. It was, a, it was actually an allegory. It's called Affabel. I know some of you are familiar with that. It's actually very, very good. It's actually, to be honest with you, a little bit scary. It, it is. It'll put the fear in you right now. And what it is is, it's to get the Christian people's eyes back on eternity. We've, we've lost the eternal view, okay? And that's what this series will be about. It's a six-week series. Uh, we got it set up and ready to go. It's going to be really good. Um, we'll come in and watch a little video, and then there's going to be a, we'll listen to the story of Aphabel for a little bit and break it up into six weeks. Then we'll get into our groups, and we have questions we have to go over. 
So it's going to be great. Just, just like the FPU has been a tremendous success, we're hoping that these will be tremendous successes as well. Um, even after that, I just ordered another one. Um, anyone has, most of you have probably heard of Ken Ham. So he's awesome. He's the creation guy, um, I believe, down in Kentucky. He has another one we just ordered. Now I have to look into it, make sure everything will be good and, and solid, which Ken Ham is a pretty solid guy. Uh, but it's on, uh, you know, Ken Ham is big on Genesis, the relevancy of Genesis, and how it's still applicable to our modern world. Um, and his stuff is so interesting. If you ever heard some snippets, he does a little answers in Genesis on the radio. And it's scientific stuff that supports the Word of God. And I think that's going to be another tremendous class that we will do. So I'm excited for all that stuff. Um, but we want to keep our groups going. Now, our groups will be randomized. You can't pick your certain little group of buddies and stick with them. I'm not going to allow that hap to happen. We're going to continually randomize our groups so that we can get to know each other a little bit more. Okay, so that's what we're going to start doing on Sunday nights. Um, and all this stuff, they might come with a study guide. It, they're all pretty cheap. I think most of them are like five bucks if you want the book. Now, still come. If you don't have the money, we, we can get the book for you. Only a few dollars for those study books if you'd like them. So that, that's not really going to be a real big deal. But the whole point of doing these Bible studies, of getting into our groups, is so that we can grow together closer as a body of Christ. Okay? It's so that we can be unified. Listen, to me, this is one of the main things. It's so that discipling can occur. Amen? It's so that people can be discipled and that discipling can occur. That, that's one of the things God has put in my heart. To be honest with you, no matter how much I love and care about you, typically on a Sunday morning, my, my mind is already geared towards all this stuff. I have so much on my mind and my heart. I try not to stray too far. Uh, and really all I can do and all we can do to each other is shake your hands. Hey, how you doing? Everything going okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. All right, man, see you next week. There's... We, it's very difficult on a Sunday morning to disciple each other, right? Now, now we'll preach the Word. The Bible tells us to preach the Word. And worship, we come together and worship. We're not going to change Sunday mornings too much. That stuff, we do that in the Word. But I just felt the Lord saying, Jason, disciple. We need to be, people need to be discipled and brought together. So that's really the reason behind all this stuff. Listen. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That's the good stuff that I want to happen. I believe the Lord wants that stuff to happen in our groups on our Sunday nights. Sharpen each other. We don't get much of a chance to throw our arms around each other. So we'll start having some of these Bible study series and discipling will occur in the body of new hope. I see so many new folks coming. And my wife and I, we joined a few months ago, joined the, the greeting ministry where we, we greeted you this morning as you came into the door. And I see so many new people. And I'm not satisfied with just new people coming in. Hey, how you doing? Have a good day. Hope you like the service. We all got to disciple. We got to sharpen each other. 
Listen, 1 Thessalonians, I, sh- I sent this out earlier this week to the FPU group. I always try to send out a little encouragement email midweek. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you're also doing. And the Bible tells us to comfort each other, to edify, to build each other up. And that's the reasoning behind all this change that we're going to do on Sunday nights. Hebrews 10 Chapter 10, verse 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day coming. And the Bible says, hey, stir each other up. Provoke each other to good works. Edify one another. Pour into each other. Stir each other. Build each other up. So that is what we are going to do going forward on Sunday nights. Okay? I hope that's not too big of a shock to you thus far. Really, we're doing it already, and it's been a blast. So if you haven't been involved, I encourage you to get involved in this stuff. This this stuff is awesome. Now, another change, uh, and this is along the same line, after New Year's, we're no longer going to have Sunday school services at 9 a.m. Okay, now I know that there is a small faithful group that enjoys that. And listen, we want you to know that we care about every single soul, every single family in this building. And we're not saying, ah, who cares? There's not that many people that go to that anyway. We're not saying that whatsoever. What we're saying is we're going to move that to Sunday night. Okay? Our Sunday school is a time where we can say things and you can speak something. If something happened to you, you can share it. That same stuff is going to happen on Sunday nights, okay? So look at it this way. We're moving it to Sunday nights, okay? Now, here's another thing. Not all of these things are quick decisions. Eh, Yeah, we'll just do this. I didn't just make this stuff up this week or a couple days ago. No, no, no. There's been lots of prayer, lots of discussion. Like I said, I've talked people's ears off till my voice hurt talking and discussing all these things with other people. We've prayed over them for a while now. I hope some of these things aren't too much of a shock. I understand no one likes change. Sometimes it's upsetting. But our Sunday nights are on life support and really we, we want to try changing them. Um, we're not going to wave the white flag um, and say, hey, let's just cancel this. No one's hardly coming. Look what Google says. Attendance is low anyway. We're not going to wave the white flag because we do not feel that the world needs less church. No way. The world needs more of the gospel poured into it. So, this We'll, we'll, let me explain a little bit to clarify. We'll do a six-week series starting, I think, January 6th, and we'll let you more know more about that. Um, we'll put some things on social media coming up. We're going to do some stuff in November. We might even have a clip we can play. Uh, so this Eternity series is actually really exciting, really cool. Um, we hope that you get involved in that. But let's just say we do that six-week series. Now, what we don't want to do is do a six-week series, and then the next Sunday night, jump right into another series. We don't want to do that. Um, we'd like to constantly keep switching gears. So what we may do is, and some of these things we don't have all figured out just yet. Uh, we'll announce them as they come, but 
let's say we finish our eternity series. The next Sunday night, uh, we're kicking out maybe a fellowship type thing. Um, come here just as a body and fellowship. We actually got a couple cool ideas for that as well. And then maybe the next week after that, we may have one of our younger guys so they can continue to sharpen their skill with the word. We may have one of our younger guys do something that's almost exactly like our Sunday school in the mornings on a Sunday night. Uh, they, they may do something over there uh, for one week and open it up to questions and stuff like that. So if you do enjoy Sunday school, we'll be doing something exactly like that sometimes still. Um, so then after that, maybe we'll dive into another series after that. So really, Sunday nights are really going to be constantly switching gears. It's not the same monotony. There's always going to be something different going on. So we're hoping that that breathes new life into the ministry and attracts people and really disciples and causes unity. And we build each other up and we become stronger brothers and sisters in Christ. We want bound together. All these changes are to sharpen us. To make us be able to stand in the evil day. Okay. Are you with me so far? So after the new year, Sunday nights will be a little bit different. Okay, now, now I'm going to preach just for a second. Okay? i got to hurry up. It's getting late already. Um, I want to talk to the older generation here at New Hope for a minute. Okay? I know that most of the older generation folks know, have come to know and trust Pastor Joe and Ruth. I understand that. That's the way it is. I realize I'm younger. I'm from a different generation. Maybe you're already grumpy, thinking there's this young guy changing all this stuff. I don't like him. Okay, I understand that. I realize maybe I don't have your buy-in yet. Okay, I understand that. That's okay. Nevertheless, we want you involved. My generation wants the older generation involved. So, if we have a series, for example, we're doing FPU right now. Older generation folks can maybe say, well, we've already been there, done that. We're already sitting in a good situation. I've got a million dollars in the 401k. I'm good. Don't need to learn any principles. You can look at it that way, really, which is looking at yourself or you can look at it as, hey, maybe I can come and share with a group of young people the mistakes that I made that cost me thousands of dollars. Maybe I can come and share with this young group of young folks something I did that worked, that went right. So please, when it comes to these series, don't just look with your own eyes at yourself. Look at it as, where can I plug in? Where can I pour into someone? And this is the perfect opportunity for that so older generation we want your buy-in to our bible study groups we want you there we want to hear what you have to say we want to hear where you failed where you've won what went wrong for you what what caused you harm we want to hear that stuff uh so here's what i'm not saying i'm not saying out with the old in with the new I'm not saying that, Pastor Joe's generation, they're older, get rid of them, they don't matter anymore. I'm not saying that at all. We're saying we want to hear, we ask you to pour into us on our Sunday nights. I understand that transition periods are difficult. I understand that. 
And please don't think that all these changes that I'm instituting are just for my generation only. That's not true. It's for all of us. We want you involved in our Sunday night Bible studies. Listen, Psalm 71 verse 18 says, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. You see what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, Lord, I'm old. I'm old. I'm gray-headed. But Lord, don't forsake me until I've told these young people about your goodness. And we're hoping that through our classes on Sunday night, our Bible studies, that that's exactly what some of the older generation folks will do. Don't just write it off. If you can come, come. I have been so blessed because through FPU, I have seen some of the older generations come, and I've seen them speak into people. Uh, what was something that was so awesome to me was one older couple came to me, and I was so blessed to see them there. And, you know, I went, and I, I'm told, hey, great to have you guys. And, and they looked at me, and they said, oh, we're, we're that couple. I said, what do you mean that couple? So oh, we're the couple that could tell everyone in our group what not to do. And I thought, you know what? That's why you're here. That's what this is all about. It's such a blessing to me. To see people, eh, not just write this off. No, it's vitally important. The Bible says that's the way it's supposed to be. Listen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who I am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Listen, elders, feed the flock which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Listen, elders, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, elders, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Listen, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. To me, that just puts it right there. Elders, here's your job. Younger people, here's your job. Submit yourselves one to another. Be humble, everyone. Be subject to one another, because God will resist you if not. He'll resist the proud. <clears throat> so I love it when I hear older generation people say, hey, we can tell everyone in our group what not to do. You know why I love that? Because that's what the Bible says to do. My wife actually showed me something a, a week ago or so. Um, I have to do a little bit of reading. This is in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 6. This is about a new king. King Rehoboam had just taken over. Okay, so there's this new guy. And now think of this in terms of new hope being a little bit of in a transition period now. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 6 says, and, and i got to read a little, it says, And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he lived, and said, How do you advise that I might answer this people? Okay, there was people, that the people of Israel was saying to this new King Rehoboam, Hey, your, your father made a huge heavy burden on us, lots of labor. We're asking you, new king Rehoboam, to lighten the load a little bit on us. 
So Rehoboam's asking these old men, he's asking the elders, hey, how should I answer these people? This is what they're saying, what should I say? Listen, and the elders spoke unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, answer them, and speak good words to them, and they'll be thy servants forever. Listen, but Rehoboam, he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which, he stood, which stood before him. So Rehoboam rejects the elders. The elders say, hey, serve them, love them, show them kindness, and they'll serve you forever. Rehoboam says, you can stay out of my face, old people. And he goes to the young people of his generation. 12 verse 9 says, And he said unto them, What counsel do you give me that I may answer this people who have spoken me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. Verse 10 says, And the young men are advising him now, that were grown up with him, spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto the people that spoke unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. This is what you say to them. My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lay you with heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips, but I'll chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam... And all the people came to Rehoboam, the new king, the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him, and spake unto them after the counsel of the young men. And Rehoboam said, My father made your yoke heavy, and I'll add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I'll chastise you with scorpions." Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Verse 16 says, So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened unto them, hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to your own house, David. So Israel departed into their tents. Verse 17 says, But for the children of Israel which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get up to his chariot to flee Jerusalem. Listen, so Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. So this new king goes to this, the old men and he says, How shall I answer these people? And they, the old guys say, love them, take care of them, serve them, and they'll serve you. There won't be any problems. And it ends up make, he, goes to, he rejects their counsel. He goes to the old men, or to the young men, and he says, hey, young guys, what should I say? How should I answer these people? They're asking me to make the burden lighter, my yoke easier. And the young guys say, the young guys make fun of them. They say, my pinky finger's bigger around in their thigh. Who cares about these old people? Who cares what the old generation says? Forget those guys. And they say, add to their burden. Make it worse. So Rehoboam listens to the young guys. He goes and makes, he says, my father did this to you. I'm going to make it worse and add this to you. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. Well, what happens is it causes a giant split, a big giant rift. In all of Israel, it causes rebellion. One of Rehoboam's men is stoned and killed because the people were so upset. And Rehoboam actually has to hightail it out of there before they come and kill him. This, because he, he insulted the old generation and says, 
get rid of all you people. We don't need you. My pinky finger's bigger than your thigh. It ends up causing all these problems, and there's a big giant rift occurs in the nation of Israel. All because he forsook the counsel of the older folks. What I'm saying to you today is, me and my generation aren't Rehoboam. We're not. We're not saying we don't care about the older folks anymore. Pastor Joe's day, his, his days are behind him. It's my turn now. We're not saying that. We're saying we want to hear what you have to say. Come into our groups. Pour into someone. Find someone. Pour into a young person. We want as many older generation people involved as possible. Okay. Now, we've got to talk about a little bit of another change. Now, this shouldn't be too bad. Uh, our Wednesday night services. Okay, they really, they've become a little bit of a, a mini church service, if you will. We do some short worship. There's usually a short little uh, sermon, 10-minute, 15-minute sermon, and then we have a time of prayer. It's really, if you look at that, it's just really a short prayer or short mini service is all it is, mini church service. Uh, what we want to do is, again, Wednesday nights, you have to understand we're designed to be our midweek prayer service. And then that's what it was designed to be. It was our, our time to come and gather as a body and pray. So what we want to do is actually go back to that. On Wednesday night, we want to go back to what it was actually designed for, which is prayer. Okay? So going forward, I think we're going to start this one even next Wednesday. Okay? When we come, the building will be open from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., and we will pray. We'll have the lights low. We'll have worship music on. We'll do our best to get uh, our, our prayer list up on the screens or, or however we do it. And we will pray. There's not going to be worship. There's not going to be someone talking. That's our prayer service, okay? That is when we come and pray. Now listen. They were designed to be our midweek prayer service. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 56 verse 7 says. Now let's look at this in light of making Wednesday night our prayer service, okay? Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. Listen to Isaiah, says, For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. This is to be a house of prayer, okay? Wednesday night will be our prayer service. We will dedicate it to prayer. You come in here, it'll be dark, you come in, you pray. We pray corporately as a body. As many people are willing to come, pray. This scripture in Isaiah is so important that even Jesus references it. Remember when he uh, creates the bull whip and he's whipping the, the uh, money changers out of the house of God and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer and you all have made it a den of thieves. So even Jesus references the fact that the church the house of God should be a house of prayer. So we're going to start that this coming Wednesday night. You come in and we will pray. Now, here's something else I'll throw out there. Please understand, we're not married to any of this stuff. Okay, so if we try something and it completely fails, we're not married to it. Okay, the, the Bible institutes prayer, worship, preaching, all that stuff, okay, we have to do in church, 
But the Bible kind of leaves it open as to how we are to do it, okay? So as stewards of this ministry, we're not married to all this stuff. If something completely fails, we can change it again. <clears throat> Hopefully that's not too much of a shock for you, that Wednesday nights are for prayer. Shouldn't be, because that's really what they're supposed to be. Okay, Wednesday nights, prayer only. Now listen, if you can't swing the whole hour, I understand that. If, you can, if you've been busy or if you're worn out, come pray from 7 to 7.25. And take off, if that's what it's got to be. If you can battle the whole hour, battle the whole hour. Okay, come in, pray, take off. Wednesday nights is our, our time that we come as a body. We come together and we pray. Pray for this nation, people that are sick and dying. All right? Don't forsake that either. This stuff is very important. Wednesday nights are for prayer. Okay. All right, I'm almost done. I know it's getting late. Um, now, now those, those are the changes thus far. I hope they're not too shocking or disappointing to anyone. Uh, to be honest, I'm pretty excited about some of this stuff. I know when I've shared with some of you, you're excited as well. Uh, I think these things will be great. I think our Bible classes on Sunday nights will be great, and I just hope to see them. FPU right now is jam-packed. We, we've had to get more chairs out because people were standing over there. So if you haven't been involved, I, I implore you, come get involved in this stuff. It's tremendous. Okay, one last thing. If the booth is ready to bring up my slide. Oh, Check that out. Isn't that cool? Okay. Now, this is a big deal to me. Um, you can see the top red flag says 750K. That was our mortgage on this sanctuary, where we are right now. Okay? Now, we want to knock this out. Now, if you look at the 750K and the big track, he's come down the mountain of debt. You see in his thought bubble, we're down to 198, roughly around there, give or take some dollars. We're down to that until we cross the finish line. Now, you might think, well, you know, we still got a long ways to go. Well, let's look at our milestones for a minute, okay? Or, and our dates might not be exactly right. I know that says paid off old sanctuary in 93. That may be when we acquired some of those things. So don't pay attention to those dates, but... Our old sanctuary, which is over there, and it's now the fellowship hall, but it's completely paid off. These are some of the accomplishments we had at a church. $154,000 paid for. Amen? Uh, our church offices, which are the buildings over here, which are completely awesome. We got those in 97. They are paid for. $93,000 paid for. Okay? Um... The land, we have a big lot back there uh, that we mow, that big plot of, of ground. I can't remember how many acres it is. It is paid for, $41,000 paid for. Uh, the youth center, which is $115,000 over here, completely paid for. All the renovations, paid for. All that stuff is paid for. Uh, the fellowship hall which is over there, uh, was our old sanctuary. If any of you have been here a while, it look, used to look nothing like what it does now. It's completely different now. We want to start utilizing it more. But listen, we cash flowed that. It was $73,000. We cash flowed it. How awesome is that? Okay? So here's another awesome thing, because we're in better shape than even this makes out. Okay? 
We only have 198000 to go on the mortgage on this building, and then we will be completely debt-free. This ministry will be debt-free, okay? We want to cross that line. Now, listen, technically speaking, we don't even have $198,000 to go. We don't. We actually have some emergency funds that we keep for when things go wrong around here. Now, if the Lord is willing and stuff doesn't start blowing up and the ceilings start caving in, we don't even have, we have some money that we are willing to once we get to a certain amount, whatever that might be, 50, 60, 70,000 to go. We may have enough to just go down there and say, banks, get out of my life forevermore. Here you go. We're done. Good doing business with you. So really, it's not even 198,000. It's much less than that. Okay? So all that stuff is awesome. Now you might think, why? What's the big deal? Why do we got to this debt free? Why do we got to get across this zero marker? Well, that's another little bit of my vision. Number one, the Bible talks against debt, okay? Uh, it does in many places. If you're an FPU, you, you know that by now. So the Bible is against debt. Well, number two, somewhere along the lines, New Hope has went from a startup church. Remember I mentioned earlier the date, April 1st, 1990? Somewhere from then until now, we've went from a startup church to an established church, okay? And part of my vision is we want to grow a little core of staff, okay? Really, all, all it's been for many years is Pastor Joe has really been the only full-time employee. Uh, we have our secretary slash treasurer, Teresa. There's been a few part-time people temporarily here and there over the years, but really Pastor Joe's been the only real full-time employee at this ministry, okay? We've grown to the point where that's not going to work for much longer, okay? We need to have some bodies, a small, I'm not saying hire someone for every single position in here, I'm not saying that, but there's got to be a little core of staff, okay? They have me on staff now, but we need a little core staff. Wouldn't mind having an, an actual worship leader. I mean, we, sorry, band, we do have worship leaders. But I'm talking about a staffed worship leader position. And then even move on from there. Just a small core staff. Uh, but to do that, the best way I can describe it is I feel that we're on pause until we cross this goal line where our, our hands are, are cuffed, to be honest, because staff is expensive. So we want to grow a little core staff, uh, and when we do, we feel like we can address more problems instead of depending completely on volunteers who do things out of the goodness of their heart, we want to have an actual staff that can make it their duties, their job duties. So that's kind of the vision there, um, and I have lots of other ideas as well, and we'll, we'll see how that stuff goes as it comes. Okay, band. Can I get you to make your way back up, Tom and his crew, for this morning? Uh, realize this isn't really a service where we have an altar call, uh, but we're going to want to do one last worship song before we go as the band makes their way. Hopefully none of this stuff scares you too awful bad. I, I realize change is sometimes sets people on edge. I realize that. Bear with us. There might be some bumps along the road. Uh, but I just pray that we do all this clothed in humility with the blessing of the Lord, that we don't want to screw anything up. And all these changes are to make us better Christian people, stronger, sharpened Christians. 
We need that in this. We really feel that this is the direction that the Lord wants us to go. So, band, if we're ready, let's worship one last time, and then we'll close in prayer. Thanks for listening. I know I talked a lot this morning. I know things were a little bit different, but I appreciate your time very much.